Welcome to Crush Disappointments. In this episode, I'm chatting to Sophia about her crush on Henry Cavill. First up, the audio is pretty crap because one of the dials on my mixer was twisted the wrong way, and so my audio is really overblown. I uh, tried to Google how to fix that, and basically the internet told me that it's fucked and I should record it again. I did think about doing that, but then the idea of me sitting in a room by myself mimicking a conversation I'd had earlier seemed pretty strange, so I didn't do that. So, if it's unlistenable, I, I think it's just about alright, I think. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't sound nice. Um, I also use the word shitty too much, and therefore I need to broaden my vocabulary, because if something is, uh, I don't know, someone whistling in an annoying way, and then, I don't know, something serious like assault can't both be shitty, because... You can't equate those two things, so you need to learn more words. Um, um, one of the things I do do in a shitty way, though, is chatting about Nietzsche in this episode. I don't really understand what he's talking about, and so I should have ignored him. Well, should I? I don't know. I've, I've had a... I kept in a bit about... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what you think. Um, also, in this chat, we briefly mentioned Jamila Jamil's I Weigh campaign. I found some interesting criticism of that campaign, so I've whacked that in the description if you want to read that. Um, this episode was recorded a while ago. This in the last two before this I recorded in the same week. Um, and I haven't got any of us in the can, so I don't know when the next one's going to be. If you want to listen to more, do like and subscribe and leave a long review so that I have a reason to go on. Uh, go on, God, that sounds way too drastic. Uh, it's nice to get reviews. Jesus Christ. Um, here's the crush. <laughs> oh, crap, I've broken that chair. Yeah. Um, I did have a original thing. Have you seen, do you follow Henry Cavill on Instagram? Yeah, I do, yeah. So he puts a lot of stuff about his dog up. His dog is very <laughs> cute. I mean, that's like a man with a great dog. Like, what can, <laughs> what more can you want? <laughs> like, he put this video where he was like, he is a video of the dog like running and he's talking over top of me like we've had such a beautiful relationship. Yeah, that one was a little odd. I'll grant you that one. <laughs> I don't know if there was some sort of advert. Like, you know, obviously it's, I have strong feelings about my pets. Like, great. I love them. But that one was a little odd to make a little monologue. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for the punchline. I was like, this is too sincere. Yes. I thought it was like an advert for something or like a sponsored, I don't know. And then I was just like, oh, Fair enough. He can do no wrong. Uh, <laughs> what pets do you have? I have a cat and he's the fattest cat in the world and he's the grumpiest shit and I love him. Okay. <laughs> His name's Tom. He's eight kilos, which for a cat oh, is like God. the size of a small child. So <laughs> we tried to put him on all the diets, but yeah, just never, never worked. So you're more of a cat person than a dog person? No, I would actually say I'm more of a dog person, yeah. but we were never allowed a dog. It mm. was never an option so once I'd gone through can we have a dog it was can we have a cat and my mum was more open to the idea of the cat so but every time I meet a dog I'm like so excited and like a five-year-old in the street I'm like oh there's a dog and this one's a fluffy dog and then just like every time I see a dog I pet a dog it's great it makes my day better you know and then there's like if I see one of my favorite dogs it's an even better day than if it's just a normal dog because I thought I like last weekend was the first time I'd ever hung out with a dog. Like never had <gasps> yes, any experience of it. And I was just kind of like, 
I don't know, I never really seen the appeal of it. Like, I guess um, films had increased my expectation of pets because, like, they're kind of just human beings who can't speak. Like, they're so intuitive. And That's just... a nice way to put it, I think, yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of expecting them to be, like, that intelligent. And, and yet then... you got one really dopey and you're <laughs> like, what is all the fuss about? <laughs> but, but then I was like, after a few hours of just, like, walking here and stroking him, it was <laughs> it's so much fun. And it was, it, like, I felt relaxed in a way that I've not felt in ages. That's why they take dogs into, like, old people's homes and hospitals. And it's supposed to be really calming, mm-hmm. which is why you have dogs for people who are autistic. And it really settles people. And it's something, you know, that's why the animal-human bond can get so strong, I think, because it's really relaxing. And, um, but it, they're also like full of character. Our lives would be so boring without animals in them. They're just like whizzing around and chewing up your sock. Like, <laughs> need a bit of excitement. <laughs> uh, there was, um, I can't remember where this um, woman who, I think she was really into classical music, I can't remember her name, and she has uh, an anxiety dog. But I'm pretty sure, that I'm not exaggerating to say that the dog, because it's been to so many classical concerts, like clapped at the end of the concert. No. <laughs> I would actually pay to see the dog. <laughs> yeah, so I'm yeah. sure I saw something on Twitter where somebody had anxiety. It was like a bird that you wouldn't like. It wasn't vultures or eagles, yeah. but someone brought them onto planes and they had just like these massive see, eagles sitting next oh, to them. Oh no, what was it? There was an um, emotional support peacock on a plane or some story. <laughs> yeah, I know, I really love your swag with the peacock. However, I'm not too much of a bird person. Like, I appreciate they're super beautiful mm-hmm. and I think they're so interesting and the way that the wing is crafted and the feathers are layered, like they're beautiful. We went to the... the Cotswolds Hawk Conservancy thing and it was really great and they were very interesting but as a pet not my biggest yeah I wouldn't put it in the top five I guess you can't really cuddle a bird I mean some of them obviously do but I don't know it's not really my bag Mm -hmm. I prefer like fluffy pets to feathery pets Yeah, I feel like there was a point where I wanted a pet pigeon because I'd seen Geordie Racer and I was like, oh, yeah. this would be sick, just like having the, the homing pigeon. But then I wasn't allowed a pigeon as a pet yeah. for the obvious Funny reasons. <laughs> I just had this image of like, we would, one day my parents were like, we'll do it. And we'd go to like the center of Derby and we'd just like see a pigeon and grab it. And <laughs> so it's like a wild yeah, pigeon. But we'd just take it home. And eventually I would sort of like, I don't know, I guess I'd have to tie it up and then yeah. we would just train it. And eventually we'd have this amazing connection, but that never happened. But I did have pet rats yeah, and they were pretty sweet. Like, yeah. um, just like. People. I wanted a hamster at one point, way before the cat phase. I was like, you know, can I have a pet? And there were two boys down the road who are brothers and they their house was like a zoo and I loved it there so much. They had like four cats and five dogs and there were birds and there were insects and there were hamsters and there were snakes and like anything, yeah. every fish, the whole blah, blah, blah. And I came home and I was like, mom... He's got this new little hamster and it's so cute. And my mom's like, no rodents in the house. My mom's deathly afraid of mice. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's like, also, they're nocturnal and they'll keep you up. Like, that was the big excuse yeah. there. Was like, they're nocturnal. You won't be able to sleep because the hamster will be in its wheel at night and da da da. I mean, knowing me now, I'm dead to the world after like 10 o'clock. So <laughs> I would not have woken up with the hamster. But, you know, parents are tricky. Tricky, tricky, <laughs> tricky. <laughs> Tell you anything to get you out of it. Um, yeah. Sorry. Right, sorry. Also on Henry Cavill's Instagram, if I, what else did I find? There was some body pics. Like that's his most recent one that he'd put up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so in terms of him showing lots of skin, this is my first big quote. Okay. So this is from March 2016 issue of L. So L said, um, "You showed a lot of skin on the Tudors. Were you always comfortable naked?" Cavill, "Are you kidding me? I had to start telling the producers stop making me take my clothes off." One year they said, for the publicity shot, we're going to have you shirtless holding a horse. 
I said, why the fuck am I shirtless? My character has changed. He's a morose, depressed dude. They're like, yeah, but people love it. And then L, how does it feel to be objectified? Henry Cavill, I don't consider it being objectified. If people like seeing me with my shirt off, it's enormously flattering, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take my shirt off all the time. I would say, like, he's pretty fair in his comments. So, <laughs> like, you know, you shouldn't be asked just because you're pretty to be taking your shirt off all the time. Like, we would never stand for that if it was a woman. Mm. And, you know, generally women in films are expected to be kind of naked and good looking. And I think it is a similarity for men actors. It's interesting, though, that he, I quite like his candor, though. He's like, I'm not going to fucking do that. Mm. <laughs> so it's got, I've got a good sense of humor about it, yeah, at yeah. least. And kind of standing his own ground on that front. But um, yeah, I mean, if it makes sense to the character or the scene, then sure. And I feel like in all the Marvel films, all the superhero films, there's always like one shot. There's uh-huh. the shot of Chris Hemsworth and Thor right at the beginning. Or there's the shot of Captain America. And, you know, the token shot is always like appreciated by the audience, I think. But when it's over and over... You think you start to get a reputation for being some sort of nudist <laughs> and wanting to be naked the whole time. But I mean, with the Marvel thing, that it, like for most of it makes sense, like Thor obviously makes yeah. sense. But then when they had Paul Rudd had like got abs, yeah. it was kind of like that. Why does Paul Rudd have I feel abs? like Paul Rudd is like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. <laughs> Everyone else is doing, getting their personal trainers, so I'm going to get fit for this film as well. You know, I think if you obviously get superpowers you automatically become ripped so mm-hmm. that'd be great if someone could just like strike me with a bottle of lightning and automatically i would never need to go to the gym again yeah. that'd be great um i do think it is kind of the way i don't remember if you look back at even old superhero films like they mm. weren't it's like a real body type that's come in in the mm. last like 10 years with the start of these super big budget films because if you I would once watched the original Batman and they're wearing some very baggy tights and nobody is that like yeah, in yeah. shape or so it was kind of interesting how the perception of like what is good looking has changed, but mm. you know, it does. It like obviously as time goes on, people's body shape changes. Obviously it used to be, you know, desirable to be big because it meant you were wealthy and mm. you'd end, eaten a lot of food and you had like fast rolls of the winter or, and now it's the opposite. Like, yeah. it's very interesting, I yeah. think. But. And even over the course of, like, Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, you can see in the, the first one with that, he's, I mean, he's, like, a good build, but yeah. then you see with, as the films go on, he gets bigger and bigger, yes. and like, it's just, like, absolutely massive by the end of it. And then Paul, Paul Hugh Jackman, like, he's getting older and older, and it's getting harder <laughs> and harder. And I once saw an interview where he's like, it's like a do not try this at home sort of uh-huh. re- regimen. And he, I drink lots of water, and then I drink nothing, and my body, like, shrivels up, and that's how you see everything. Mm-hmm. We have to have medics on set. And I was like, this is a lot of effort <laughs> they go through. Yeah, yeah. And kind of vigorous training to get to that point. I mean... I quite fancy the idea of having like personal training involved in my day job mm-hmm. because it means, you know, tick all the boxes between the hours of nine to 10. But um, it's just, I don't know whether it's healthy for, I feel like there's a lot of like boys body issues aren't really addressed as a thing, but mm. I think they're definitely there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of masculinity that goes with like, oh no, I, I look great. Da, 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 da. But I think a lot of people inside probably have those insecurities. Mm. So I don't know whether it's helping or hindering anyone, but. Well, I've, I've sort of read somewhere that like Henry Cavill was like big when he was a kid and like kids were picking him and calling him Fat Cavill. Yeah, and his so, nickname was Fat Cavill. And so you could sort of see that kind of, I think a lot of guys who went through that at school and they become like the biggest sort of buffest guys when they're older. Probably because they have the actual 
body mass to turn it into something mm-hmm. i think that's what a lot of people who are naturally thinner is they just can't put on that yeah, much yeah. weight to turn into muscle or you know anything like that but and, specifically emotionally though i think there's there might be something in it where it's kind of like i mean definitely i mean if you were teased uh-huh. all the time and then you become good looking as you get older you're kind of like yeah fuck you and definitely a little bit of kind of look at me now yeah. sort of bravado but I don't know. It depends, I think, how you take it on. Some people would turn that way and some people would be quite humble about it. But who knows what... I think until you actually experience it yourself, it would be an interesting one. Yeah, because it would be a complete like change of... Like, I'm sure I've read something that was like women who were big and then lost a load of weight have it's like some sort of mental health issue in the fact that the, the way they're treated by particularly men is so radically different that it sort of shakes their sort of worldview. I think that is really prevalent like I was always a bigger girl when I was younger and when I was I was doing a lot of exercise at one point in my uh, late teens and I lost a lot of weight mm-hmm. and there's some people and you get told oh you look so great you look so great now you look so great now you look so great now so that when you then aren't doing that or you go to you know you start drinking alcohol and your whole metabolism slows down because it slows down way quicker for girls than it does for guys younger and you start to put weight back on that's when it really gets to you and you're like oh you know I'm not going to look as good now because Mm. you know and it's almost I think certainly on young girls it's important to be like oh you always look great you just look nice today because of what you're wearing or whatever it's not you know you never look nice and now you do now that you're wearing makeup is a really dangerous thing to say to young girls and if you look at movies throughout time oh the girl always gets a makeover and then they get the guy Mm. and you have to look a certain way which I think is really not a message we should be sending out to people I think now it's definitely changing we're in a really interesting time in kind of media representation of women and the way more women directors and more women actors having more women producers and it's an interesting one to kind of be affected by there's so much media output and I feel like teenagers now we didn't have Instagram Mm -hmm. at school and I think had you constantly been bombarded with like images of perfect people it must really be interesting to be like a teenager now and be like oh I have to aspire to look like this Mm. I mean I definitely didn't look like most teenagers look now it's crazy they look way older I don't know that's just me being a grandma now (laughs) because I'm over 25 but um I just, we were awkward teenagers, but the bad haircuts and the braces. And I feel like everyone has their shit way sorted out earlier now. Uh We were not doing our eyebrows in a certain way or like looking at lip fillers and they just didn't even know what that was. Uh That wasn't an ideal of beauty. And now I feel, see some teenagers and I'm like, wow, you look like 20. Uh Um, It's scary. But I don't know whether people then focus more on it instead of, It'd be interesting to see, like, from a guy's perspective, even when they see that in men or not, mm. at the same age. Because I feel like for girls, you can definitely see, like, the cogs whirring on, oh, I have to do this to be noticed mm. and for attention. Or even, I find it more competitive with other girls sometimes. Like, I have friends who are always dressed up. Therefore, if I see them, I'll probably get a little bit more dressed up just because I'm going to have lunch with Chloe. Mm. So it's sort of, I generally don't wear very much makeup very often because I'm lazy. Mm. And, uh, but then I kind of like getting dressed up and I like to set the bar low and then go up from there. <laughs> and so whenever I turn up, like looking quite nice, everyone's like, oh, I'm like, thank you. I, I realized <laughs> I have put an effort to my appearance today. So I received this compliment. But as another kind of article I was reading and women you know 
they downplay compliments. So if you mm. give someone a compliment, they're like, oh no, I didn't do anything and this is nothing and this was old and this has a rip in it actually. And they'll just, you know, nobody can take a compliment because it's not, you know, you're supposed to know you put effort into it and know, but then but then you can't accept that anyone's complimented you on it. It's a really mm. interesting idea. Uh-huh. And I find, now that I've read the article, I find myself doing it mm. and I'm kind of trying to, I was now trying to spread the love to my friends. I'm like, no, like, take it. Take the compliment. Own it. Like, you look great. You you know, really revel in it for five minutes of like, you know, I actually know that I look great today and I feel really confident and I feel like more women should support women in that because I feel like there's a lot of women are raised to kind of see other women as competition or there's, you know, oh, you have to look like everyone and, you know, everyone looks like this so you have to be even better and there's a lot of that and if you're not a girly girl which I wasn't growing up it was really interesting because you know everyone's into this and into that and into the other and you're like actually I'd rather have an hour's more sleep than get up at five o'clock in the morning to straighten my hair Mm -hmm. and then therefore you're less of a girl which Mm -hmm. is an interesting concept you're a tomboy you're like kind of a butch girl and you're kind of labeled from an early age as being someone who doesn't really care about their appearance or wouldn't be interested in this which isn't true because Lots of girls who are more tomboyish are really, really into makeup, but it's just on the occasion, not on the daily. I feel, you know, everyone likes to have a dress up, whether you're wanting to dress up in a suit and a tuxedo with a bow tie and look like crazy awesome, or whether you want to wear a pink dress and gloves and whatever Mm. and do the whole princess thing. It's each to their own. I feel like now we're in a place where that's really recognized and individual styles are really recognized and it's not so insular and you have to look like Barbie and be blonde and have big hair and wear Mm -hmm. pink and you can wear black and be you know goth or you can be a skater girl and still be gorgeous and there's all sorts of different things now that are totally acceptable that just weren't 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really fun time to be in because it's creativity and it's expression and Mm -hmm. the more different people we see in this world the less you could possibly think anyone's like different to you Mm. or I've just never been one of those people to see someone as less or different because of the way they look or dress. And I feel like that's one good thing about social media is it's really closing those preconceptions of people, Mm -hmm. you know, with homophobia or racism, like you can just, there's everyone is out there Mm -hmm. and the colors of people, uh, you can just flip down one feed and see like a hundred different types of, you know, hundred different races. How amazing is that? Because there'll be people from like, I grew up in suburbia where everyone was mostly white, Mm -hmm. you know, and some people had never, if you come to London, some people go, oh my goodness, there's so many different people here and I just don't notice it now. And I feel like the more that you're used to seeing that, you know, how could you possibly think anyone's ever different to you? Because everyone's here in front of yeah, you and you're yeah. seeing a wide spectrum. And I feel like that's the one good thing about the internet and social media and how many images we're seeing is we're seeing so many different people. There's no reason for any hate because it's like, oh, these people are having the same day. So they go to get their coffee and they get in their yeah. car and they go to school and they had a bad day or they had a good day and they go to the prom and they do this. And, you know, how can you have any hate towards anyone who's mm. doing the exact same thing as you every day. Yeah, so like that's a really nice thing. It's like you've cut off the the, know, the middle people who could dictate what was a good look. Like if I'm just uploading a picture to Instagram, there's no one saying, oh, but you don't look a certain way. And so everyone's seeing all these different versions, I guess. Yeah, you can be a different person every day on the internet. And that's kind of freeing. Or you can project how you want to project. I feel that some people have really... Some people I know in particular have really kind of come out of themselves 
by finding communities on the internet mm. or, you know, apps or, you know, people who have come out as gay and then they've really kind of embraced culture through mm. television or through music or, you know, it's an interesting place to be in where you can then find people who are like you mm. and that's they're all readily available on the internet at touch of a button like you can search for chat rooms or you can search on apps or you can you can find people who have the same experiences as you and really bond with those people which i think is great and i think where it you know there's so much self-expression in that way that you can completely find your clan mm. or your tribe but i feel we just have to be careful with what we're setting out there as expectations for other people like would should we be promoting dietary products that, mm-hmm. you know should we be promoting oh this will make you thin in like 12 weeks boom just drink this or pills or you know essentially there's no easy route and there's you know you can change your nose you can change your chin you can change your eyes and i think we have to be careful with the younger generations like if you want to do that go for it own it like mm-hmm. if you want to do that that's absolutely fine but I think we should be teaching people as well like it's okay to look how you want and you don't need to aspire mm-hmm. to change yourself that's the real key are you are you seeing lots of like adverts for pills and diet because oh i don't God, see yeah. any i don't see any of it yeah definitely okay i would say uh a few times a day well, okay. uh, sometimes when you would see okay like you know take this shake or you know and the more even if you click on something once you go oh what is this mm-hmm. The internet then thinks, oh, well, she's a girl and she's this age and she's clicked on it once. Therefore, it brings it up and up. Mm -hmm. So you get like more things or this is like a tooth whitening thing or, you know, you can get this percent off fillers or you can have your head on like this or you can, you know, and it's then thrown at you in a big way. And um, it's interesting, like Instagram has made it. I love Instagram. I'm totally Instagram addict. (laughs) I'm not ashamed. But advertising is so cheap in that way if you think about having to how much it costs to have a television advert Mm. advertising on the internet is so much cheaper and the analytics of who they can target is really really clever yeah and so therefore it's targeting younger generations it's like you know they're not targeting the over 40s for this they're targeting young people because that's where the money is these days and that's who's going to buy their product and be open to the fact that it's it's a miracle thing which it isn't it never Kind of is. And I feel people like Jamila Jamil are doing really cool things where she does a project called I Way and she writes I Way, you know, a 10 year relationship where I've supported my partner or I've gotten over an illness. And, and then she's women across the world have then done this and they take a picture of themselves and they like measure yourself by who you are and what you've done rather than like a number. Mm-hmm. It's very much a thing like, how tall are you? Where are you from? What's your ethnicity? Everyone wants to know everything about you. How much do you weigh? Like, and it's kind of, you know, it doesn't matter where I'm from mm-hmm. or it doesn't, shouldn't matter. I get a lot of interesting questions about my ethnicity. Yeah. <laughs> and so it shouldn't matter where you're from or, you know, I just look the way I do. And I think a little bit, everyone could take, do with taking it more face value. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, she looks like that. That's okay. fine. Yeah. <laughs> rather than being like oh okay that's why everyone wants to know why someone looks that way or how you know did you always do this or did you always do that i think it's interesting i don't know yeah it's difficult because i just um it's so far away from my experience in Mm. terms of it's just i don't know it's it's really it's really really (laughs) easy being a guy (laughs) like and but in terms of um, what you're saying about fashion or like clothing and makeup and stuff i feel like the two things 
that I kind of understand is what you said about effort, whereas I can't be bothered to put the effort in. Yeah. But then also that feeling that it is nice to do it every now and again. Like I think I went to some event where I had to wear a suit and I was like, God, it feels really nice yeah. to actually put in this effort. But then I just don't do that enough. I don't know. I guess it's finding the balance where, because I, I, don't, I don't feel any pressure to do that, but acknowledging that it is actually nice sometimes to do that. I think that's the difference between men and women. Yeah. The women, there's a social pressure. Uh-huh. You know, if you're going to dinner and everyone else is you know, dressed up and putting in that effort, there's an, oh, I've got to do that as well. And mm. it becomes a chore, which it shouldn't be, because it should be fun, Yeah, in my opinion. And then I, that's the difference, the difference. I think there is a pressure with men to kind of, but it's very much like body rather than your actual look. Mm. I don't know. There's not the pressure on like how you do your hair or how you do your eyebrow or how yeah, much yeah. like body hair you have in the same way or... Um, I think Wolf of Wall Street quote, they're bored from the eyebrows down. Like, that, is that the goal? Because the upkeep, I'll tell you, it's not easy. And then it's a, it's an interesting one. Like, so, but I definitely feel like some men have, I think t- tallness is definitely one you mm-hmm. get with men. That's where people's insecurities then lie is like how tall they are or, you know, how much hair they have. Some yeah. people have that. That's a real key yeah, thing. Yeah, I think they're the people. only two that I feel like are, are yeah. sort of, um, not to the same extent, but in any way. Or can I grow a beard? Yeah, There's yeah, like, okay, yeah. yeah, more or less hair. Or, but the list, I think, is definitely shorter. Mm-hmm. You know, women is like, oh, I have to have the waist or the leg or the, mm-hmm. you know, I have big feet, therefore I can't find shoes or, and, you know, and then you get self-conscious, like, oh my God, can everyone tell how big my feet are? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't wear as, like, little pretty shoes like everyone else because don't make them in my size but um, it's all sorts of funny things like that and I think for women because we have such a wide choice of what we can buy therefore it gives you more options to be insecure about things in a way I don't know it's fun to be able to be so creative with what you wear or then then the choices get overwhelming and you're like oh my goodness what do I wear (laughs) and that's definitely um an effort one puts in every day yeah I've had a few conversations on this one. It's a bit about with guys about sort of the changing ideas of how men should look over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. And there was this kind of chat about some of it. It's more like there's more moisturizing products aimed at men and they, they give them like masculine names to try and sell yeah. to men. But then some people are saying that as positive. And then um, of uh, as we've been this Naomi Wolf thing and sort of linking it into sort of, it's just, I don't know, capitalism trying to sell products to men. It's like there's, there hasn't been a change in society where suddenly being hairless on your chest is now preferable it's just that the the razor industries have worked out that they can sell this to men now and it's kind of just the same way it's probably a bit of both yeah yeah i definitely 100 i think in some ways men being encouraged to take care of themselves and take care of their skin which is seen as such a feminine thing to do mm-hmm. i think that's a great you know if you want to make a product for men so they feel they can do that then great also yes the people who are making the products are there to make money yeah. i think it's a double-edged sword with capitalism but yeah. it, in a way it, you know people oh i've always kind of you know you see movies and they're like oh my god is this your moisturizer and they're like no and men are supposed to be embarrassed about the fact that they take care of themselves. It's a really silly idea because we've all got skin that needs taken care of. Yeah. Or if people have like skincare routines, then good for you. If that works for you and that's make you feel good, then great. Mm-hmm. And it should be about what makes you feel good and not what makes you embarrassed of mm-hmm. taking care of yourself is like such a thing. That's why kind of self-care is yeah. such a word that's bandied about these days. But actually the fact that they're promoting time to take take 10 minutes for yourself and just do something that makes you feel a little bit better is great yeah. because people tend to be a bit more stressed these days. And I think taking like 
quiet five to yeah. do something, you know, paint your nails or put a face mask on. Or, yeah. I mean, so. this kind of links into Instagram. I don't think this was an advert, but I saw um, on Clara Amfro's Instagram, she'd use this Aztec clay for her face. And then I was like, cool, I'll get that. And then I bought that and I've like only used it like twice, but it's, I guess... I don't know, I've seen that as something that someone's used and then I've seen things I would use it and I guess for a long time I didn't, I don't know, I wouldn't... Put the two and two together. Yeah, well, I yeah. Even mo- I, like no one told me to moisturise. Like, it was just like not a thing that guys ever did, I yeah. don't think. It's not like your dad sat you down. And yeah, going, exactly. So, to really take care of your skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting the way that influencer marketing is working and it does work. And there's a special part of your brain that lights up whenever you see a human's face. So mm-hmm. that's why we're social animals and we like to see each other and to look at each other in the eye and talk and chat. And to have a review come straight from somebody to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like if your friends sat you down and go, oh yeah, I've used this thing and actually I really like it. You're more likely to buy it. Yeah. And the fact that these people can reach you kind of wherever you are is really cool. And, you know, you can actually straight from the horse's mouth, eh, it might work for you if you're like this, but it didn't really work for me. Boom. You know, because... We used to, you know, you're used to buying so many different things and then it might not work. And now that there are reviews and you can really get different people's opinion, I think that's really interesting and actually does. I'm more likely to, whenever I kind of see something, I'll look at it on Instagram and then see what people have said or I'll read reviews before I buy stuff all the time now. Mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting to kind of get a gauge of whether I'd use it or whether it'd work for me or whether I'd like it. But then there is the double-edged sword of, are they telling the truth or mm-hmm. is it for money? And that's why they're having to put, you know, a hashtag ad on yeah. it. They're having to really say, okay, this isn't because I use it. This is because I'm being paid for it. And making sure that line's really clear is important now because it's so convincing. Yeah. It's so convincing. They could sell like the fire festival thing. They can sell mm. you a whole ideal yeah. <laughs> and then you get there and it's not quite what you thought it was going to be. And um, the internet can be a really misleading place if you, aren't savvy enough and that's where obviously kids are growing up in this you know shiny filtered world and the way you can photoshop things these days and Mm. the way you can retouch things in and out working in the media industry you have to take everything with a pinch of salt there was a bbc article i got sent yesterday and asos had left the bulldog clips in a dress so the model's standing to the side and they hadn't retouched out the clips wait what bulldog i don't know what those are so it's like a clip and it was like you get fabric and you clip it. So the item of clothing was too big. And they... So it was too big okay. and it didn't, you know, it didn't look right. And uh-huh. this is a styling trick that I've worked with stylists. And you do do that if it's slightly too big for a model, because they're generally very thin, you pull it in at the back and you can clip it and then you put a jacket or a belt over it and no one would ever know, right? Mm-hmm. Until you don't reach up to them out. And there's this huge backlash on ASOS because they're like, you know, what about leaving it so we actually know how it fits? Because then when you buy it, and you see the tiny size eight girl on the internet and she looks great in it mm-hmm. and it arrives and it doesn't quite fit you. You're like, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not as good as her. Yeah, and yeah. actually it's because the garment fits in a certain way. And, you know, it was, it's like, it's misleading, but you don't realize how prevalent it is. Mm-hmm. Like all of these, you know, and also when they make samples for models on Boohoo and all the models have these like tiny waists and, uh, you know, those aren't the man- mass manufactured. They're making hundreds of thousands of these and the size discrepancies when you make a bulk garment. And there's all sorts of things like working in fashion and working media that you pick up that you wouldn't necessarily know. Like my mum sews for a living. Mm-hmm. And if you found a pair of jeans in one size 
and you pick three of the same size up, sometimes there's like a centimeter or a centimeter two in it in the waist, okay. even from the same one, just because they're handmade. Someone's mm-hmm. making them and it's not exact to the millimeter every single time. So it's so interesting that some people aren't aware and don't know that. And obviously there was a huge Twitter backlash for ASOS being like, you know, oh, you forgot to take the clips out. Now we know that. And it's, but it's been going on for years. It's, yeah. a, it's a trick that's been going on for like 50 years mm-hmm. and nobody knows and yeah. like realizes. And so it's kind of everyone, it's, you have to be, that's one of the good thing about the internet is it's like everyone's sort of realizing slowly that it's not, everything's not what it seems to be as well. You can get caught out. Yeah. But, um, I love you, ASOS, but yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think this is quite <laughs> an example, but did you see when Henry Cavill was shooting Mission Impossible, he had that big tash, and then they had to do the reshoots for Superman, and they CGI'd his tash away. But it, but oh, it looks so awful, but... That's, I haven't seen the bit where they've CGI'd the moustache <laughs> off, but I think what we do to actors is really funny. Obviously, he was like contractually obliged uh-huh. to keep the tag. <laughs> I just, I think it's such a good sentence. <laughs> and sometimes working in this industry, you're like, what they ask people to do. Like, I was on, uh, someone was on a phone call recently and they're like, yeah, but how long would it take for his chest hair to grow back? And I was like, what are we listening to? <laughs> and, um, but I think it's really funny. And also, CGIing out his tash would have taken so much work. Mm-hmm. Poor retouches. Like, yeah. It just could have been shaved off. I think it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, it looked pretty freaky. It didn't work. Did it look weird? Yeah, it's it's like a bit Uncanny Valley. Like, you can't quite It's like they've de-aged out. him, yeah, but not well. It's, oh. But um, I think he rocked that tash in Mission Impossible. Like, it's a bit of a... I'm not generally no? a tash okay. woman. I was like, it looked really... You know when you see someone who doesn't usually have a moustache and just have a bit of a giggle? That mm. was uh, it was quite funny. But I felt what was even funnier was he had to go to all the press interviews while it was growing out <laughs> and, <laughs> and just sort of deal with the fact that it was like in between stages. I thought it was really, really funny. Yeah. And they was just like, congratulate. It's like when Natalie Portman shaved her head for mm. a role, right? And everyone was like, oh, she's bald now. <laughs> what is she doing? Having a Britney style meltdown uh, um it's yeah it's it's interesting what they get actors to do yeah. and what they what they will and won't do as well mm. yeah but i feel like he's I mean, he's just so good looking that he can like that mustache wouldn't look good on most people i was i'm really fixated on his yeah. mustache because i think he looks so good in mission impossible i know yeah. it's his best look <laughs> and i thought like you disagree i haven't seen the film yet i've missed it i've never seen a mission impossible film okay. and so i was kind of like do I go see this one not knowing the other ones? Mm-hmm. And then I just missed it in the cinema and I was like, oh, I'll catch it. But I think it was, if anyone was going to pull it off, it would have been Henry Cavill. Yeah. So he did well. And it's a very big moustache. It's not like a thin, <laughs> evil moustache. It's yeah, like, yeah. A, it's a good effort. It's a good effort. <laughs> <laughs> and did you see him in Stardust? No, it was okay, So he looks, he looks pretty different. So this is, I think this is like 2007. And I was wondering if, if this look would have done it for you. <laughs> I have not seen that. That's hysterical. So he's sort of like a strawberry blonde kind of. I don't know, I don't know how to describe the hairstyle. Oh, that's a, it's a long, floppy, swept to the side look. But I think what the best bit is this tiny little ginger moustache he's rocking, <laughs> which it's sort of a Ron Weasley-esque <laughs> puberty tash i don't know how to and he is like he's got a wand or something <laughs> yeah, there some sort of wizard no this would not have done it for no. me i have to say it's quite amusing though <laughs> if that's your halloween costume maybe we're going great <laughs> 
so if you didn't see him in Stardust, what air was the first time? I think the first time I saw him was in The Tudors, which was a great show. <laughs> and my friend introduced me to it when I was I watched it late. I watched it online. I extremed like, it or something. Uh-huh. So I hadn't seen it before. But I was always really interested in the Tudors history. My grandmother used to take us to like Leeds Castle and teach us about Anne Boleyn and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a watch and then got really addicted to it. And obviously it's so Historically accurate. Oh, yes and no. (laughs) So glorified. And everyone's really pretty. And obviously it looks like they've been really clean, which just isn't the case in that sort of era. But um, yeah, it's great television. And I probably first saw him in that and he was cute. He's he's also very tall, Uh which is just an attractive thing for me because I'm quite tall. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I remember it it was like a breakout role or... It was one of his first things that kind of we heard about. And then people always introduce, oh, but you're on the Tudors. And mm. that was like his beginning thing. But I don't actually remember seeing him in anything before that. Okay. So I don't know what the history is there. But he, he was, from what I've read, he wasn't he like, he was like the sexy character in the show. Like, didn't he have a lot of sex scenes? He had a few. Okay. Yeah. He was, a, he was, um, as I remember rightly, I can't remember what his, his character was. I feel like someone's brother or he was an earl of something or I don't know he was a he wasn't part of the royal family itself mm-hmm. but he went to court and he was one of the lords mm-hmm. and um but he had he was you know a repeat character throughout mm-hmm. a few couple of seasons um and then something happened and I think when as Henry VIII gets older he's not in it as much anymore mm-hmm. but yeah it was a it was a good show because okay. in that L interview talking about him being really candid he talks about how he had a sex scene and he got an erection during it <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny um yeah i think <laughs> i don't know what to say that. yeah i think that that must happen from time to time right that's although some people then actors then do interviews and they're like no because you've got like a room full of 20 people watching uh-huh. you and it's just not sexy at all but i don't who knows when you're Maybe it was really great acting. Who knows? Highly doubt it. Yeah, but he's like the only person I've ever heard say that. Like, like you say, yeah. the answer is always like, it's super uncomfortable. And that's how I imagine it yeah. would be. But then like, in his quote, he was just like, and then he was like, he talked about how he didn't put his penis in, a, in like a hidden position. And so that the actress was rubbing it. And, then, <laughs> and he was like, and she, and she had fantastic breasts. And then he... <laughs> I mean, at least he's honest. He's not trying to like downplay it mm-hmm. it's kind of fun i i do like people who are pretty straightforward and upfront so i just see i think he's got quite a good sense of humor yeah, on that yeah. front but then there was that thing where he made some comments about me too which people thought were a bit shitty oh they were a bit shitty yeah. that was really interesting actually like for someone who's quite young in mm-hmm. relative things it's just a really interesting opinion to take on that i can't remember what the exact quotes was, it was but i remember like being he, like yeah. something like he wanted to um, woo and chase women without being accused of being a rapist was what he said yeah it's a bit much isn't yeah. it like you just nobody if you're asking a girl out it's going to accuse you of doing that and I think it's a very like I don't know men's rights activist yeah, thing yeah. to stay it's like, like oh well we won't be able to thing. talk to women anymore it's like yes you will just not in a creepy way like yeah. <laughs> it's um, an interesting one when I was actually quite surprised when that came out of like you think that someone who was you know 30-ish or mm-hmm. mid-30s has like a better worldview on that but maybe not and you kind of like I wonder because he went to I don't know if it was a boys boarding school but it was like mm-hmm. a you know a private boarding school and so you wonder whether kind of it's a lad culture type mm-hmm. thing or not 
I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to get him in here and ask him. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was a bit of a rogue comment. Uh-huh. But maybe, but maybe it's because the candor. You know, some people like obviously would be really PR and like not say things in a certain way and maybe he just can't keep his trap shut and mm. like says what he likes yeah. and sort of owns it in a way you're like okay fair enough you're wrong but whatever because yeah. um, you know they've got the candor in the L interview and that mm-hmm. being said and like caught in an interview so possibly he needs more PR training and his publicist would be really angry yeah. <laughs> but and I thought his apology was actually a bit shitty as well it was kind of like one of those like I'm sorry for what I did. It, yeah, it, it, but a lot of people have put out those in the last few years that I feel like I'm just blind to these blanket apologies now. Mm-hmm. It's just so many people have been outed yeah. in the last few years and they're like, oh, this isn't true or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. this is a, you know, I made, made my apologies. Yeah. That you're just sort of, who hasn't made an apology yeah. in the last couple of years since Me Too happened? <laughs> who hasn't come out with a statement? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's been dominoes mm-hmm. since Harvey Weinstein got, mm-hmm. you know, accused big time. And it's just been one after the other after the other. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's great that people feel that it's now safe time to come out with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same way, there's still so much hatred towards people who do. And I generally think that, you know, people don't want to talk about bad things that have happened to them mm-hmm. in the public eye and be accused of lying so yeah, yeah. i generally i think obviously some people are psychotic and do want to make up things but i would say 90 percent of the time these are true allegations mm-hmm. and the ways that they've been covered up over the years is just horrible and yeah, it makes yeah. me feel a bit sick but um obviously kevin spacey and he issued a similar like i'm sorry if i ever did anything mm. apology yeah, don't know whether that covers what how someone's felt about it for the last twenty years. But then, what? How? You know, how good of an apology does it have to be for people to be like, okay? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what do you uh, say? Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> for, for I guess it, for like a, a um, clearly you could say something and have not worded it properly and said something shit, but clearly the, the people who have actually abused people, there's no apology that can no, sort of cover that. There's no apology, like knowing that you did something wrong and actually accepting that. That's why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with uh, especially the Michael Jackson allegations, they said a really interesting thing. They're like, you know, the reason we're suing is not because we want money, but it's the only that's how our legal system works. Like Mm -hmm. for the family to acknowledge that it was true, Mm -hmm. we have to take them to court and you have to like pick a number Mm -hmm. and, you know, for them to then pay it and have our day in court. That's the real that's what we're wanting to get out of this. We want to get recognition that it was true Mm -hmm. and that it happened we're not doing this for money, but that is how the legal system works. And it's true, mm. especially in America. Like, you know, he's not around to be mm. tried for prison time. And it's the estate that lives on in his name. And therefore, it's money that you have to ask for just for the recognition of it. I don't mm. know. There's no amount of money that can fix that. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, there's some therapy that can fix that. Mm. And that takes money. But there's no, you know, big number that's going to suddenly make all your problems go away. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a you know, an interesting point as well. Yeah. It's, this isn't the important part to take that, but as a sort of a tangent, the, how do you sit on the whole art versus artist thing? Cause I find, cause we've got, so, we're, we've got so much information from stars and their opinions and like even minor shitty opinions. Like I heard um, a thing about like, I had a go at critics and I was sort of like, I don't like that. So I'm a bit annoyed at you, but I wouldn't have known that about 
my heroes from like the 50s or 70s who are probably shittier yeah. people. Well, it's the, when I found out about the Marlon Brando thing that mm. was a similar, I think it's always a bit of a shame when you really respect someone for their work and then you find out they're a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. And then... And it happens more than you think or, you know, somebody met someone and they were actually really nice. Oh, you feel a bit better about it. And then, oh, someone's, they're actually really horrible. And you're like, oh, that's a real shame. I don't know why we put these people on a pedestal, because Mm -hmm. if you actually take them as a group, everyone you meet on the street is probably the same amount of good, bad and, you know, Mm -hmm. people that you'd like and people that you wouldn't like. But because you respect that they're a good singer or they're a good actor and you really like that film. I think that's a dangerous thing as well is if they've got such a good character in a film Mm -hmm. and you get attached to the character and you make, you get too attached to the character and not the actual actor is really, really key. Kind of like, it's not the same person. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's obviously, it's easier with comedians because they are themselves on stage. But with singers and actors, they can definitely kind of portray a different, they can portray whoever they want. That's kind of their job. But Mm. um, it's interesting when they then have opinions that you're like, no, don't say that. Yeah. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not right. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I don't know. Obviously how people actually think is really important and not what they portray. And, you know, even if they're the nicest person in a film, if they're actual douchebag in real life that's not okay but then do you then stop watching their films or do you then boycott that i don't know it's a really interesting moral question but it's like each to their own and depends how much you disagree with them i have to say since watching the documentary on michael jackson every time i hear his music Mm -hmm. i do kind of go oh you know it was he was such an amazing musician Mm -hmm. one of a kind and i 100 percent that think that his music will live on because it was so different but it does make you feel a bit dirty now listening to it or even hearing it come on the radio and you're like "Mm." Mm -hmm. and i think that's a you know it's an interesting point that people really believed in him and his persona that he presented and then personally i think the allegations are true but some people would disagree with me yeah and yeah it doesn't it makes you i don't know but then i think i think some people who are more staunch in their views would be like, no, never going to watch it ever again. But I think that's kind of naive to mm-hmm. think that you just never, you know, plot twists in films and then you'd, what are you going to do? Be in the cinema and then this guy comes on <laughs> and you didn't know he was in it. And you're like, no, that is it. I've had my foot down and I'm walking out. <laughs> just don't think it's realistic. Yeah. But I appreciate your opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like my response is always, it feels very arbitrary. Like, it's just kind of like some people I've cut off, some people I'm like, and then for films, it's kind of like, well, they're not the only person who made that film. So like you say, yes, and it's, kind yeah. of, it's a weird mixture of stuff. But uh, if we move on to his films, um, what? So you saw him in The Tudors and then... So I'm in The Tudors. I probably then saw him in Superman. Okay. Which was, I think when he started to get quite famous, because uh-huh. that was a big one that went across to the States as well. And... I'd seen one of the older Supermans and my brother's super into superhero films. So I can't remember if I saw it in the cinema or not, but mm-hmm. I remember, oh, you know, let's watch Superman, the new one. I'm like, yeah. okay. I remember just like, there's a, the scene right at the beginning. And I was like, who is this guy? I didn't even make the kind of link, but I don't know whether it's CGI or what or the suit or whatever, but I was just like, this guy is hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, well done, the casting director. <laughs> you find him and then it kind of i think clicked later on that he was the guy from the tudors and i was like oh that's really cool you know he's english because he plays an american Uh he's um 
I think he is very, very beautiful in that film. And obviously mm-hmm. he's a bit older now, but he's still, he's still good looking. But in that one, especially, they really, he's Superman, right? So they put him, <laughs> everything is so pristinely mm-hmm. done and the suit looks great. But yeah, he's gorgeous in that film. I think like that was the one where everyone kind of fell in love with him. I think the funny interview with him and Graham Norton and his co-star, Amy Adams, who plays Lois Lane, and she was like, my daughter's three and she's in love with him. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, so, and she was just like her, my daughter is obsessed with Henry it was really funny and I just she was like women everywhere <laughs> are obsessed with Henry including three year olds which I just think is really funny so do you is Superman an inherently sexy character or is it just Henry Cavill as Superman I think Superman's always been portrayed as someone who's quite good looking mm-hmm. like the chiseled jaw very you know he was drawn mm-hmm. that way and he wasn't ever you know how like Peter Parker in the comic is thin and then he gets Mm -hmm. buff like superman's always been like quite well built but i think it was um henry cavill in particular that was just like him as superman i was just like whoa um i wasn't ever like i yeah i was never kind of into any of the previous supermans i don't even know their names i've got the previous okay i was the one where there was a big boat and Lex Luthor, that's the one I, other one I've seen. Oh, that's with um, Brandon Ralph, Brandon, Brandon Ruth in 2006. Yeah, it would have been that one. Henry, Henry Cavill went up for that one, but didn't get it. Ooh, interesting. So if we go right back to... Oh, how funny beginning. that they then cast him the next time. Um, so this is from 1952. So this is George Reeves. How do we feel about him? <laughs> I love his exceptionally big pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting, isn't it? They're all... It's the hair is the same throughout, <laughs> but the suits have definitely got more advanced because this looks like pajamas, <sighs> and I mean it's a great look. Good for you, nineteen fifty-two Superman. And then, or well, the most iconic Christopher Reeve. See, I think Christopher Reeve's quite good looking, and actually they look quite similar, and it's like really dark hair, blue eyes sort of thing. But again, the suits—he's not. Um, like he's well proportioned, but he's not like ripped, ripped. Mm. Or it doesn't come across like that. Maybe it's the costuming yeah. that is really making it so highlighted that everything's very much tighter these days. I would say yeah. <laughs> for the actors. And um, I, I saw some. I think it was a documentary with Christopher Reeve when he was like um, bulking up for Superman. It was weird to see like the equipment looks so old fashioned. Yeah, it's just, I bet like, it does. It's like you know when you see like um, those like bold men wear it with the big balls. It was kind of like a bit like that. But, yeah, but. Uh, then, so this didn't happen, but this is this was Nick Cage when he was looked like he was going to be Superman. Oh, that's horrendous. <laughs> I mean, Nicolas Cage's hair, it looks a bit like Severus Snape here, and it's just not really my vibe, but good for him. I didn't know he was up for it. That's yeah. really interesting. But be- even here, like, what year is that? They've kind of added muscles to the suit already. Uh, yeah. How interesting is that? That it was, like, been... Thin pajamas, thin pajamas, and as the fabric technology has gotten better, they've added some like latex muscles. Yeah, because that, that I don't know what that material will be, but it's like it's it's hard. shiny. Yeah, yeah. it's and... interesting though. There's the change. There's the slight. It's starting. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, it would have been it would, that film would have been strange. So then his um, Brandon Ralph. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all very similar looking, which I think is really interesting. But then again, like the he's big, like. Mm. His thigh is like a tree. That's crazy. I didn't quite realise. I hadn't seen the film in ages, but 
I bet the suit, again, again, is really simple. It's a really simple blue mm-hmm. and a really simple kind of red pant, although they've toned down the red a bit and like, made his pants a bit smaller because yeah. the other ones were like big old granny pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, again, dark hair, uh-huh. blue eyes. Like, he's cute. Yeah. Because for, for that film, it, they, it was like a sequel to the Christopher Reeve one. So they tried to get a guy. I feel like Christopher Reeve was so, so iconic yes, as Superman. Yes, he's always the Superman you hear about the previous these the current one is i've heard his name over and over yeah, he's just so good and i remember there was a superman television show on when i was a child mm-hmm. and their superman in that again was like dark hair sweat back i don't know i this is the only thing i have with the superman films putting on glasses does not automatically make you invisible i don't really <laughs> understand how anyone can hide their identity by putting on a pair of glasses I think you just have to accept that conceit i know <laughs> it's just like okay he can fly and lasers out the eyes but the bit i really have the problem with is the glasses being a secret identity Especially because Lois Lane's a reporter and she can't notice she's so observant and, come on babe um what was it? Did you, did you see? I saw some um, image where it's like there's some dog hanging out with Lois Lane, and then someone puts glasses on it, and she's like, "Where's my dog gone?" <laughs> That's funny and so true. Um, was that Dean Kane? Oh, I don't know who it was. I remember the guy had like tortoiseshell glasses or something. It wasn't mm-hmm. the normal like big black specs or. Because that was um, that was the series with um, Terry Hatcher. This would have been like late nineties. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember quite who it was, but I remember watching it on the television. Like it was on a Saturday or something, and it was on regularly at one point. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it, and it's always quite fun, isn't it? Like you know, flies through the air and takes off, and you know, I think flying would be a really cool superpower to have. Yeah. But I didn't know the story until. I didn't know about the you know the I wasn't a big comic book person, so I didn't know about the. The cave of solitude. The fortress of solitude. Fortress God of damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the cave. <laughs> oh, I, I think I must have known about kryptonite, but not really as a child. Yeah. Like understood that, and I didn't know until I watched like the Big Bang Theory or something. And he got his power from the sun, mm-hmm. and so there's like you know I now know a bit more about it. I don't know whether that's helped or not helped with me liking the story more these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I think I, I, like Lois Lane's quite a cool character in that you know she's she's a hotshot reporter, mm-hmm. which is always fun. It's a bit disappointing when the girl's always a bit of a damsel in distress. That's just me, but yeah. And uh, she's like she was always quite interesting. But then it was always like, how do you not know? It's <laughs> he disappears all the time. <laughs> if I sorry, if I was like even had a colleague who I had to work with constantly who just wandered off, I'd be so <laughs> livid. <laughs> like where are you? Um, it's. I think really, really funny. Those small things in these stories that you can get away with. That she's never going to realise they're not in the same place at the same time. Yeah, that would be. He's like, you're so unlucky. You just haven't seen him. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh yeah, damn. (laughs) What are you doing? That's the joy of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then uh, in the current Supergirl TV series... Tyler Hecklin plays him. So what is the story with Supergirl? I don't know. Is she a sibling? She's his cousin. Oh, okay. But I thought everyone had died. But somehow she managed to right, get out okay. as well. It's one of these other things it. I have to let go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was a publicity shot. No, not a publicity Like a pap shot when they were filming it. And um, people were very complimentary of this Superman's bubble butt. And okay. I sent it to our mutual friend and she was very, very impressed. So that is... That isn't a very, very, very impressive bubble butt. Yet again, like... Dark hair. It's very much. I feel like you know, with James Bond, people have been really different coloring. Mm-hmm. But this is very similar, and yeah. I kind of even Batman, you know, tall, short, different 
colorings of Batman. Yeah. I don't know if it, everyone feels a bit different. Yeah, I guess it would be with, or well, I guess we're saying with James Bond, but with, with like Batman, you put the mask on, you're Batman, so you could be anyone. Yeah. And Superman like has a particular face. But he face. has a real look, doesn't yeah. he? And now that you see them all in a row, you're like, it's more obvious to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was at the time that this is what Superman looks like. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a comic book. Mm-hmm. So, but they've really kind of carbon copied, but it is an impressive but. <laughs> Um, but of of those gentlemen, Henry Cavill, you think? Oh, uh, he'd still be my my <laughs> Superman. Um, right. Okay. So should we do the Nietzsche bit of his version of the Superman? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Although I had Electro tell me you should never. It's the Overman. We should never call him the Superman in this context. But he's the Overman. What's the Overman? So it's like, what was it? So Nietzsche had this idea of the Ubermensch, but then there's not really like an easy translation of yeah. Uber into English. So Uber is like very right. Yeah, but then people called him Super, but actually the context of this means over. I don't really understand it, is basically my, my whole point. Okay. But there's the, the way that I saw it described to me, and I saw this stuff, but loads of people misinterpret Nietzsche, so this mm. is probably what's going to happen now. Yeah. But, um, and then also you had the whole thing where he got misinterpreted by the Nazis and all that kind of shit. But the way it was described to me in this video that I watched was Superman is kind of the idea of like physical human perfection, mm. although he's not human. And then this is an idea of like, human like mental perfection like how we would get there so i found seven characteristics okay great and we're gonna see how far you think that you feel fulfill these characteristics me personally okay great (laughs) so do you feel like you make your own values i don't know about making them but i definitely pick is it pick or like i don't know my values are quite strong like i'm very Mm strong-willed i definitely like what I like and don't like what I don't like. I'm very open to listening to other people's opinions who have differing opinions to me, but I won't necessarily agree with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have quite strong thoughts on things. So I don't know if I make my own values. I definitely, sometimes I kind of develop my th- ideas. I wouldn't say I would never change because mm-hmm. that's really silly, but I definitely, I think, and also I get values from other people. I would say it's really kind of, doesn't sound like you make your own values at all if you get them from other people. <laughs> I don't know. You're not like, like, at all. <laughs> I don't know, you know, making your own values. It's like making stuff up. And I don't feel like I do that. But um, I definitely feel, you know, it's changeable to me. I could definitely, like, mm-hmm. personalise it. Yeah. Would it be, if we sort of tangent off it a bit, would it be, when you were talking about um, fashion and looks, that idea of people who used to be sold, like, one image of, like, you had to look a certain way, but now people are able to sort of pick their own looks. Would you say you're, yeah, like, Yeah, I would definitely say I'm slightly more unconventional. Okay. But I don't know if I'm... It's a really interesting phrase, like, mm. make your own values. Do you make them... I guess you do, personally, for yourself, make your own values. But it just... I don't know if... I'd love to think I was that original. I made up all my own values <laughs> myself, but... How stuck up of me. Yeah. I guess, like, you can't escape from, like, the culture that you were brought up no, in. No, like. you absolutely can't. And it's ingrained in you mm-hmm. from, you know, years and years and years of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. I think you get values from your parents and you get values from your friends. But if you put all of that together, then, you you know, they're yours. Mm-hmm. So possibly it's a nurture thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as you discover things and you become an adult and you read and kind of talk to different people and then you do develop your own ideas and sort of... So yeah, I would say, why not? Yeah. I make my own values. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I'm an independent I'm, woman, I make my own values. <laughs> I'm not convinced you made your own values. I'll give you a um, So, number two, are you able to be selfish in strategic ways? Do, are you selfish? I would say everyone's a bit selfish. Mm-hmm. I definitely take my selfishness in certain ways. Like, I will tell you I'm on my way, 
but I'm leaving the house. <laughs> uh, case in point today, well, to me today, I was actually on time, but then I got delayed by mm-hmm. my friend, so I blame him. Okay. But um, I definitely, like, selfish in some ways, like, you know, I'm generally quite a selfless person, but I like to be selfish in certain ways. And, you know, I'll take the extra 10 minutes for myself if I need to have that time. Mm-hmm. Or I always like to help people out. And actually in the last year or so, I've had to train myself to be a little more selfish and just mm-hmm. go, I'm spreading myself a little too thin. I actually need to take a day for myself. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, everyone can be selfish in their own little ways. Generally, you know, not I'm not selfish with my time or money or food or like I like to share because I like people I like being around lots of people but occasionally I have to t- kind of t- taste myself emotionally as well to, okay it's t- to have to take like an emotional selfish day and just yeah. you know watch some television mm-hmm. chill out you know eat something you want to eat and just take a selfish day and be like I'm just gonna concentrate myself today mm-hmm. like everyone else's drama can wait for like one day yeah. and then I'll go back to being like a good person tomorrow so tick for that one, maybe. Excellent. Um, then, number three, understand that suffering is a necessary component of good things. I don't know about suffering being a component of good things, but I do believe any sort of suffering makes the good things better. Because mm-hmm. then you see the difference. You know, without the bad, you would not appreciate the good in a certain yeah. way. But I don't think, you know, to say that suffering is a part of a good thing you know, would you say to somebody in a bad relationship that suffering is a good thing? Because you can mm. truly train people into misreading yeah, the bad things to be good. I don't necessarily believe in that statement, mm. but I do believe that, you know, without the bad, the good wouldn't be as good because yeah. you wouldn't know the difference. And having been through like things in your life, then, you know, when the good stuff comes along, you know, it's good stuff and yeah. that's, that's enjoyable. So I don't know, mixed 50% on that one. <laughs> I feel like, um, when... I hear interviews with famous actors and they talk about how like for, I don't know, six years they were living in their mate's car because they were kind of really had to struggle to become an actor because that was really what they wanted. I just feel like I haven't got the, I, I can't be asked to go through that to get, I, I, there's I nothing I want enough to go through that. You have to find something you really want. Yeah. And I feel like maybe a few times in your life you'll find somewhere something that you want that much that you'll, you know, rough it for or... Mm. I think in my life, there was, uh, you know, I did a sport that I really, really loved. And to do it, I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning, six days a week. And mm-hmm. I had to do training and whatever. And when you want something mm-hmm. that much, you'll find the will. Yeah. But it has to be the right thing. So if you're trying to force yourself to do something you're not really into, then you're never going to find the willpower. Like, that's how, you know, that's why people who are running that fast at the Olympics. They want the medal. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's their one goal. Yeah, and they or, you know, if you want to be an actor so bad and you feel that's your way out of whatever situation or you really crave that attention of other people, you'll sleep in your car. Mm-hmm. But you have to find the thing that you're going to... Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't know what my next thing that I really want to rough it for will be. But I've done weird... I've lived in all sorts of places in the past where I've been like, you know... But if I save money on this one, I can do my next thing or... Mm. You'll find, oh, you know, if I do this job and I work that many hours a week, then the next one will be better. Or mm-hmm. I feel like there's lower versions of that, you know, suffering, like doing a job you hate so you can save for a trip that you want to do. Or, mm-hmm. you know, working extra hours and being tired on the weekend and working the weekends so that, you know, or doing an unpaid internship and working the weekends so that you can get that next thing. Okay. So I think you pretty uber mentioned that one. Okay. Um, understand that you'll be hard to understand. I'm definitely hard to understand. <laughs> um, 
I like to say to people, I'm a walking oxymoron. <laughs> so I'm like a big kid and an old soul. And, you know, I'm super hyper, but then super chilled. Or, you know, I'm kind of low maintenance and high maintenance all at the same time. <laughs> so I personally believe I'm quite... I'm so easy and difficult to put up with. Yeah. <laughs> I understand I'm quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of my friends would tell you the same. It was I actually sent a few to my friend the other day and I'm like, I have so many qualities that are good and bad, like stubborn as a mule. That can be a great one or a bad one. Yeah. And, you know, I think all of my friends will call in, dial into the show and like back me up on that. <laughs> but I'm very difficult to put up with, but then I'm also great to put up with. <laughs> That's like, you're taking all these Udomage qualities oh, now. I'm so good. <laughs> um, be gentle towards the weak out of consciousness of your own great strength. Ooh, it's an interesting phrase. Big one. Be gentle towards the weak out of your own strength. I mean, how would you interpret that? It's sort of, obviously, be gentle to people in need. Be kind. Those are all great qualities. Do, you know, sometimes being kind to people and giving uh, up stuff when you don't have anything to give can make you stronger. But I don't know whether that's a, I don't know. We said earlier you were, uh, like with friends and stuff, you were good at giving up your time and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I like so. to help people. Yeah. I would say that I definitely, you know, if, you, if anyone called me up at any point and go, I need, you know, help, I'm like, okay, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. What, what can we fix today? Mm. But I don't know whether that says a lot about me and what I've come from or, you know, how I've been raised in a certain way. <laughs> but I definitely would like, okay, you know, if anyone's stressed out or, you know, how can we help? What can we do? I'm such a fix it. That's part of my job as well to you know fix problems mm. and so does that say something about me probably um but i don't think that necessarily makes you a better person yeah well, i guess it's, it's an interesting one yeah they're kind of well we had being selfish earlier and then giving mm. so it's kind of like it was selfish in strategic ways yeah this then... is very like towards the week obviously you should help people as much as you possibly can i don't necessarily think your friends are having a crisis are weak mm -hmm. um, oh, then, oh i only associate yeah, weak yeah, people yeah. all my friends are weak people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like for that one, it almost seems like charitable. Uh -huh. I think I could possibly do more in that respect, but I wouldn't say I'm bad. Yeah. And yeah. um, be good to the earth, though. That's an interesting one. Are you good to the earth? I'm trying. Yeah. I'm very much more aware of it. I think growing up, I didn't know, have any, you know, nobody knew about. I mean, we had a recycling bin, but it wasn't like. <laughs> you know, or you'd compost, but it wasn't a sort of thing. And I think now it's such a moral issue and there's mm. so much being talked about, which is great because it's informing people. I didn't, you know, it was never, we were never educated on this is what's happening to the planet like right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, so I'm trying to like slowly, I always feel guilty now when I buy like plastic things. Like it's mm. very much in my consciousness, but I think we have to look for a way to go, you know, stop making it yeah. that would be a great way i don't want to buy it it's yeah. now a necessity like can we put things in other things and i feel like there's a lot more people with pa more power than i to mm -hmm. be able to change that yeah. like people in companies that are making shampoo bottles like what can we use because this has to change right now and nobody's willing to get the ball rolling yeah or... it was like that shift from like obviously industry needs to change but then it was a push towards like if we stop using plastic straws it's like well no that's such a small percentage and actually mm. that's like affecting a lot of disabled people yeah and then also what you're saying about um sort of feeling guilty about plastic bottles i find it with like we can't just buy out of it it's like um so i need a computer to have a job yeah but then that computer was made in some horrible place in mm. shenzhen where these people are like abusing yeah. it's kind of like i feel 
like shitty about it but i like i can't buy out of the system and yeah I it's to- like you know if you're stranded at the airport and you have to have water and mm. there are no water fountains and there's no cups or like you know there's a lot of things that could be done in that way you know you could put water fountains out and you could have you know biodegradable or you know stop using plastic cups in places and everyone has to be more careful mm. and everyone has to take a big you know stop smashing glasses on the floor or you know someone i mean i'm sure there's research being done into like different ways but there's certain things we could do like actually just wash up the glasses mm. yes that is an issue with then water but the plastic issue i think is you know just as bad mm. at this point do we use slightly more water and try and figure out a way of collecting more mm-hmm. or do we you know really kill off all the animals in the water we already have and it's kind of double-edged sword but you know there's certain things that can be done like if everyone took more of an effort in their everyday lives with you know restaurants not using plastic and you know just not buying these things anymore mm-hmm. but in you know in bulk like you know prep dear prep stop <laughs> putting plastic cutlery in your restaurants tomorrow i had this thought i was like if starbucks suddenly you know you mm-hmm. needed your coffee and you need your fix if every starbucks in the world stopped making those plastic cups mm-hmm. that you'd have to bring your own mm-hmm. and then it would become part of your daily life. Yeah. But someone's got to kind of force you into it and mm-hmm. train you to like, you know, okay, everyone has a tote that has their metal straw, their coffee cup, their water bottle. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to just make it easy for people yeah. and you have to make it part of their daily life because mm-hmm. I don't know, everything used to be brown bagged mm-hmm. and it wasn't plastic bags and people got along just fine. But mm-hmm. now it's easier to have something with a handle, but you know, it's not good for the environment. I don't know why... How does it not really a thought when people are like, oh, we're going to make loads of plastic bags? Mm. How is that not ever a thought about where they were going to go? Yeah. It's funny now to think back on it. Like, who invented this? <laughs> and who did they not realize? Yeah. <laughs> um, don't be too humble. Delight in your own abilities. I think that's what I was saying about the like, compliments. Mm-hmm. Like, being humble is a good quality, but sometimes it's, sometimes you've got to toot your own horn. And I feel like when somebody really does achieve something and then they can't feel really proud about it Mm -hmm. that's a bit sad so i feel like definitely on occasion you've really got to kind of go yeah you know what i did that and it was really cool and i'm really pleased with myself and kind of own that Mm -hmm. i don't know if i do that (laughs) but i encourage other people to (laughs) so i'll take like two percent of the credit yeah so pretty uber mensch is what we're feeling i feel like i should be cast as the next superman (laughs) (laughs) i can get the blue contacts (laughs) what a super girl that like um, very blonde. Very blonde. Of course she is, yeah. Right, let me find her. So perfect. Because she, yeah, well, well, was it the absolute perfection of human perfection? Therefore, she's blonde. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, I'm a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that she's, that's the new TV series version of her. Oh, she's pretty. She's not like Kench, though. Interesting. Because then sometimes you're like, okay, well, if the guys are this big, mm. and the, cause should, should the girls not be like, so buff they could put some like fake muscles in her costume and like go for it that's quite funny and she's wearing a skirt and not trousers <laughs> i wonder if i haven't seen captain marvel yet okay i need to see it before the next avengers but i feel like she's wearing trousers yeah and as someone who wouldn't wear a skirt until they were like 14 years old it was always kind of like oh all the superhero girls like wonder woman the old wonder woman had to wear a skirt yeah, yeah. and supergirl had to wear a skirt and it was always like man and I think with the Avengers, it's kind of cool because like Scarlett Johansson's in a cat suit and she mm. like kicks butt. I was like, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they re, I think um, Jamie McKelvey redesigned 
Captain Marvel's costume not that long oh, ago. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. She started off as uh, Ms. Marvel. And, Ms. How and, odd. And... I hate being called Ms, actually. It's kind of... <laughs> Ms, for me, growing up, was like people who were divorced. <laughs> and so, that was her original look. Oh, my giddy aunt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is a... I mean... Buy high leather boots, pretty woman style, no skirt or trousers or shorts, and just a leotard. Got a sash, hasn't she? I don't know what that's supposed to be, <laughs> but it covers nothing. And then, I mean, it's completely different colouring, which is interesting. I didn't mm. know it was supposed to be black and yellow. And then, obviously, giant, giant boobs, because <laughs> every comic woman in has to have giant, giant boobs. Mm-hmm. And she's blonde. And yeah, she looks great, but a bit odd, a bit odd. How funny that they've completely redesigned it. It's a completely different colour. She's got like a lightning bolt on here. And I don't I don't know her story, but I don't know if that's a yeah, no, part of it or not. On the new one now. I mean, yes, I'm really glad that this actress who won an Oscar and is now playing this part is not wearing this costume because it would just be like, oh, for goodness sake. And the directors, you know, you just immediately go like, oh, this is for the boys and for nobody else because no girl aspires to dress like this. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she's in the WWE or something. Yeah. That's like what it reminds me of a little bit. And those women are cool wrestlers, but sometimes their costumes are just like, whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Just sticking with Superman. This is still that L interview, which I, I seem to just be reading out. So L said, can you tell the difference between a girl who's interested in Henry Cavill and one who just wants to sleep with Superman? Henry Cavill. One, you never know. Two, if you're just looking for a shag, does it really matter? <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if that's, what, if that's the goal, right? It's sort of, it must be the same with all actors in every different role. Like, are they wanting Matt Damon or Jason Bourne? Are you yeah. wanting Daniel Craig or James Bond? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're only in it for one night and to tick it off a bucket list, then, yeah. you know, who is the guy to be like, to kind of dissect that? Unless mm-hmm. you have like a real insecurity about it, but that's quite funny. And I guess jumping off that into spies with him in Man from Uncle. Are you I a, love a spy? the Man from <laughs> Uncle. I love this film so much. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it, but... The costumes are great. The mm. colours are great. The music of the film. Mm. And, you know, and both the guys, him and Army Hammer, they're both great in it. And they're so different. Yeah. But the humour is, mm-hmm. it's by Guy Ritchie and his humour in his films is always great. So it's just very suave, very funny. And like I definitely think that's a key element in why it works. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's very, he's pretty smooth in that one. Mm-hmm. But he's de- he's a womanizer in that one as well. So I think it's it's very James Bond-esque. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a great Bond. Yeah. Because um, I know it's been like bandied about and he's quite open in interviews like, I'm always available. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think a costume and f- f- like kind of the way the film's made can have a big factor in whether you find somebody attractive mm. or, you know, if they have all the great lines, like, do you necessarily find the evil guys more attractive than the good guys? Or yeah. there's definitely something in that when you watch a film. And for this one, it was just everyone looks fantastic. Like the mm-hmm. costuming is yeah, so yeah. good. Alicia Vikander's costumes in that are super fun. Yeah. And the whole combo of them as a three is very funny. And so you just end up liking all the characters. Yeah, yeah. Like Army Hammer's character, when they're doing the dance scene, you know, you really enjoy it. Yeah. They're kind of teasing each other. And um, everyone's a bit lovable by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, in terms of the he- heroes or villains, I definitely think my favourite character was Elizabeth Becky's villain. In she's it. fabulous. It's so yeah. good, isn't she? And she's just so cool. And she's a tall girl. She's like a really, really cool. She was in The Night Manager and she was fantastic in that as mm-hmm. well. 
And um, I think she's a great villain and her costumes and the hair mm. and the makeup and the black and white 60s outfit, are just fab. Yeah. And it really makes the whole thing come together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, that was definitely that was the film I said, watch Mad Uncle. <laughs> it was so good. And just so that he's wearing like amazing suits, but there's also that scene where the two guys are chatting about like, does this match and does can this go together? Oh, loved that scene. <laughs> and they were like, no, she would never wear that belt with that dress. No woman, I would. And I kind of love that. So a guy who can pick out good jewelry for you is always great. Like well, who, who understands your taste mm-hmm. and can pick something out for you that you would really like. I think that's a great quality to have. Is that um, common? Not necessarily. I wouldn't know where to start at, at, like, at all. So, yeah, some guys are completely clueless, but I have been quite nicely surprised sometimes um, that, you know, to get a piece of jewellery that you wear every day and you really, really like is a great gift. And to have someone understand you enough to kind of understand what you like is always nice. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that's a nice quality to have. And when they're kind of, like, arguing about the different styles, I think it's really funny and yeah. also... That these like big hulkies for buys mm-hmm. are like interested in fashion. I think is so funny. Yeah. I think I cut people who are interested. Like you, like, I don't necessarily go for people who are exceedingly well dressed. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I ever dated someone who wears suits all the time. But a beautiful man in a nice tuxedo, and you're automatically like, yeah, he does look good. Yeah. So I think there are certain things. That's like the boy version of putting on a ball gown is putting mm. on a tuxedo and a bow tie. Yeah. And then you come out and you're like, duh. Um, but I do think it was a funny scene when they're like picking it out and kind of when the, yeah. And then he cho- cho- chooses her ring or something. And then she's like, oh, I quite like it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all sorts of funny bits in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, guys who can pick out nice stuff is always nice. Yeah. Is that like, do you, so with clothing or items, do you have like, uh, like an emotional attachment or like. I you, definitely like, yeah. do. I think, especially because I like fashion mm-hmm. and I've also got a lot of clothes I wear every day that I've picked up from my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like. I like secondhand stuff. I like to buy myself things that I really like as well, but I've picked out stuff from my grandparents' wardrobes when they've passed away and I wear them a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely have emotional attachment to clothes and jewellery, especially if someone gives you something and it's apparent, like I had a, a I've got like jewellery that my grandparents have picked out for me on certain birthdays, like certain important birthdays, mm-hmm. or I've had stuff that's handed down through generations that I have such an emotional, like if I lost that, that would be the bit that would break my heart. Like yeah. if I lost something new that I bought myself and, you know, then, you know, it's a shame, but whatever. If it's like a family thing, I've got one of my grandmother's like college rings. She was American. Mm. She went to a girl's college and it's like a signet ring and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I took it off once when I washed my hands in the bathroom and I walked out of the bathroom mm-hmm. and luckily someone had handed it in. I wasn't in like a public, public place, but I was at a club and, um, in the countryside and someone had handed it into reception and he had it in an envelope. But I suddenly got 20 minutes later and I'm sitting at lunch Ugh. and I looked at my hand and my heart sank yeah. like you wouldn't believe. And it, I think, so yeah, when it has an emotional attachment, like I've had a couple pieces, I lost a necklace I got given at my christening mm-hmm. that is part of my Latvian heritage. Mm-hmm. And so, and it went missing when I was like 10, never saw it again in Greenwich Market. It's still a story my dad likes to repeat to this day about how upset I was. And um, But yeah, you do. Yeah, I, I definitely develop an emotional attachment to stuff. But I don't know if that's the same for guys. 
and whether they ever maybe with watches actually yeah i've never got the watch i've never worn like i, I was saying with like taking out something that's either expensive or has emotional attachment it's that fear of losing something where i just feel like it's not it's i would just never do it i understand that because i have lost stuff but i truly believe like I want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So there, are, I used to save things to last. I always do. Still with some food, like I'll save the nice bit to last. Mm. And I don't know if it comes from being a kid and like being made to eat your vegetables first so you didn't like leave them or yeah, yeah. whatever it is. And I think there's a real, you know, oh, I want to keep it new so that I can eventually use it. But then you never end up using it. And what mm. a shame because it's sitting there and you really like it. Yeah. So I definitely try and make an effort to wear everything. And if I don't use it, then take it out of the wardrobe and give it away or I recently gave away a bunch of really nice jumpers because I just I wasn't using them they weren't fitting and I would rather somebody else enjoyed it Mm -hmm. so I definitely kind of and then also they needed a winter wardrobe and I was like look I've got so many jumpers like come over have a little try on sesh we can have a little thing and you go home with something new and you haven't paid for it and it's having a new lease of life and they were actually like jumpers that I'd gotten from my grandmother and then, but I wasn't using them and they don't fit. So mm. therefore like if someone else is going to love them, that yeah. like, gives me a little joy as well. Like, you know, take it and use it. And if you're going to use it, then great. If you're not going to use it, then give it back and I'll give it to someone else. So Man from Monk, apart from the fashion, is there anything else that Henry Cavill brings to that role, that performance that you like? I think it was the humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a great voice, mm. which I, like, I definitely, I don't know. I like a well-spoken man, but yeah. I don't know whether that's because... I consider myself to be like a, a little well-spoken. Mm-hmm. I used to, as soon as I arrived, I didn't realize I had an accent and then arrived in London and got told that I did. Okay. So now it's more kind of noticeable, but I don't know if I could date someone who had like a real, who just didn't pronounce certain things properly. Mm. I don't know. That's really snobby. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm really sorry. But when it comes to that, like I it would grate on my ears yeah. to have somebody who'd be like, just I don't know there's like I don't have an I think in the way that I my father was particularly strict on the way we talked Mm -hmm. and I don't know whether that's then that I actually find myself correcting people on certain things and then people love it when you do that (laughs) such a grammar nazi I can't help myself and so but some people really like it like my friends who are foreign really appreciate kind of oh it's actually with the ed on the end and you wouldn't necessarily you kind of or they're like what does this word mean Mm -hmm. and I'll explain it. And because I used to read a lot, I have quite a varied vocabulary, but some people don't. And I don't ever do it on purpose, but sometimes I use a word and they're like, oh, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of like this. And I always like to get a proper definition up. So I give an exact on mm-hmm. what it is, even though what it, I kind of interpret it as is different to the Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah. So I like to look things up and I'm very much, we were always told if we didn't understand anything to look it up or if we didn't know where a country was to look it up in an atlas. Mm-hmm. And so... I think, and I don't know whether it's because you kind of see yourself and people that you like, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely like a guy who's slightly more well-spoken. Mm-hmm. don't know. It's definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. I could say, if someone has a great voice, even if it's like they've got a great accent, like if they're Irish or Scottish, mm-hmm. but if they've got a nice voice and mm-hmm. that kind of speaks to you, that's always like a nice thing. Yeah. It, not necessarily. And then I always think as well, no matter if someone's good looking or not, if they've got like great chat and you enjoy the sound of their voice and there's so many things that people become more attractive to me as I get to know them as yeah. well. Like if I find out you, you're a really nice person or, you know, you have really great qualities or I find you really funny, then, you know, I find you more attractive by the mm. end of the evening. So I definitely would set more store in personality than in looks. Although if someone's pretty, then, you know, yeah. your brain knows that they are. 
Um, so and- is, is Henry Cavill hotter in Man from Uncle than Superman? Because he's got more personality in it. Yeah, see, that's interesting. If I had to date either character, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably date Napoleon Solo. Because okay. he has a bit more oomph. Mm-hmm. I like Superman, but he's a little placid for me. Mm-hmm. He's like a real good guy. And he's not he got the humor there's no humor yeah. with superman he's very staunch and he's standing there and he's serious and i'm not a serious person mm-hmm. so i like a little bit of a cheeky grin and you know a cracking a joke so i think in that respect yeah i mm-hmm. would go for the like the cheeky cheeky yeah. laugh a lot guy so yeah he's um but he is really good looking in that and the suits are great mm-hmm. the costume designer's done a great job yeah so in Entertainment Weekly, they said Richie was the first filmmaker to figure out that Cavill post-Superman flexation was so huge that filming him doing normal human things would always be a little funny. See Cavill wearing an apron or Cavill eating a sandwich. Is Henry Cavill doing normal things inherently funny? I don't, think, he's, I don't know what it is. He's completely silent in some of these things and he's really, he is funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really great quality as an actor. And I, yeah, I remember now the apron, like he turns around, he's suddenly a gourmet cook. <laughs> and in the beginning of the film, they make him out like he went into the army and he learned seven languages and he learned about art and he became a con artist. And he's just this very multi-talented guy. And then you all of a sudden cut to him in an apron and he's like a gourmet chef. And you're like, what can't this man do? <laughs> I think that's really great. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a guy who can cook and is quite competent? Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice thing to be able to... And, like, varied interests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> varied pursuits, even if they are conning the art world. Yeah. Um, I think that's quite fun. So, moving past Man From Uncle, have you seen the pictures for him in The Witcher? No. So, obviously, because I follow him on Instagram, I have heard he's doing some sort of Netflix show. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard of The Witcher. I don't know where it's come from. I think it's a video game. Oh interesting so that's his look oh my goodness you know who he reminds me of he's got these long is it blue hair it's, it's is it grey it reminds me kind of like Legolas out of yeah yeah he's got that bit of Lord vibe. of the Rings I actually don't like him with long hair no I mean obviously I wouldn't kick him out of bed but mm-hmm. um, I have to say he looks quite scary he's got like weird contacts in as well but maybe that's part of the fun for him is kind of moving away from that but He's also posting topless selfies on Instagram, so maybe not. <laughs> uh, so I guess if we've got uh, Henry Cavill as Spy, Henry Cavill as Superman, not so much into him as the witch. Oh, we've got um, him in the Tudors. Yeah. Where where do we want Henry Cavill to go? What sort of things do we want to see from him in the future? I'd love to see some more fun, like funny stuff. But I think he'd be a great Bond. Mm-hmm. I think that's, for me personally, like that's the film I enjoyed him in most is mm-hmm. kind of suave, cheeky, tongue in cheek. Um, and I think he'd be a great Bond because he's got all the action, like the Mission Impossible one I have to watch. I don't really know much about his way his character is like in that. It. Okay, great. Um, put that on the list. <laughs> but yeah, I think a Bond or actually maybe like something more serious would be fun to see him in but i think his real talent is kind of being the charming english guy because mm-hmm. he is so good at that oh, yeah. So, but yeah it'd be, it'd be cool i want to see the dog like make an appearance make a cameo in something <laughs> so yeah maybe that's as well like i'd love a dog walk with henry cavill mm. if you're listening henry <laughs> <laughs> that's quite nice we've gone full circle back to the okay. dog yeah, so yeah that's yeah. probably a good place to wrap up yes uh, well cheers for doing this thanks